Hey everybody, welcome to the Cinema Hangover Podcast, where three completely unqualified individuals drink and talk about movies. My name is Oliver, and I'm joined by Shannon and Taylor. Yo, yo! Hello! And today, we're talking about the a much very anticipated... Special. I think we say very special every single movie. This is kind of special, though, because we've been talking about this movie... From literally since episode one. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if it's, it's been probably captured been captured on It's probably been sprinkled in every single episode. <laughs> I may have edited out a few times. And that's because... But Taylor our, has yeah. mentioned this movie quite every, literally every single time. Because this movie's recorded. fucking fire, man. <laughs> every, every, fire. Movie, every movie has a comparison to this movie, which is <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. Yes. One of the best war films by far, not just my opinion, like a lot of film oh, yeah, goers sure. and filmmakers will agree that this is one of the top tier films of all time when it comes down to war or in just in general. For sure. Like one of the most realistic war movies too, which yes. we can talk about later, but it's pretty crazy. Um, but before we start talking about that, we are drinking some Lambic beer today. Mm-hmm. It is strawberry and... Peach is flavored. Yes. So we have two different bottles. One is strawberry and one is peach. And they come yeah. in a big bottle. I thought yeah. it was actually like wine. I thought it yeah. was wine too. I'm like, Taylor, we have had so much wine on this <laughs> podcast. We need something different. But it's Lambic beer. Yeah. yeah. It is different. I've never, I've I've never, never had, had it before. It, I actually haven't even tried it yet. So, oh, yeah. Go know, ahead and give it a shot. On that note. And also, it doesn't say how much alcohol is in it. Yeah, which is so, kind of curious. I don't know. But it doesn't, yeah, taste, so, it doesn't taste like there's a lot of alcohol in it. No, it's a very sweet uh, yeah, type of liquor, really but it's good. quite nice, actually. Yeah, yeah. Tastes like peaches. Yeah. Peaches, but... peaches, peaches, peaches. <laughs> I swear, that song is like stuck in all of our minds thanks yeah. to that movie. Anyways, but tell we... us about this movie, Taylor. Yes, yes. So a quick synopsis. So this is all set in World War II, right during and after the events of D-Day. So uh, the storming of Normandy. And this a group of U.S. soldiers who are tasked to save a paratrooper named Private Ryan. And he's stationed behind enemy lines due to, you know, their actual mission kind of going off the rails. And this movie explores the journey from D-Day all the way to the point of saving Private Ryan and the events that unfold uh, afterwards. And just in general, this film is... Whew, I, I Just a little bit of a backstory, at least with my experience with the film... I kept hearing that this film was like one of the best of all time. You only recently watched it too. Yes, right? yes. Like within the course of the last like five years, I would say. Yeah. Me as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember sitting down, like popping it on, checking it out, and the initial first scene just fucking beats you down with oh, the reality yeah. of war. And I'm like, holy shit. There are multiple times I had to pause and be like, how the fuck? So this yeah, is that initial amazing. scene is the storming of Normandy. Yeah. It's yeah. It just it it opens up with well, that's um, not the first scene. Right. Yeah, well, that's what I was about to say. It opens up with hmm. the with it with an older man as he's walking through a graveyard. Mm-hmm. He looks at a tombstone, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of immediately cuts into the kind of perspective of day. Tom Hanks. That scene is also really powerful. I don't know if I'm just an emotional per- person, mm-hmm. but I was crying two minutes. And like movie. immediately started crying. <laughs> <laughs> I like saw an old tears. man's face and just started yeah. crying. <laughs> immediately. She caught crying. the subtext real quick. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah no it's it is wild um that first initial scene that we're talking about is an older man visiting the cemetery yeah and that's all of set the tombstones in Normandy, I believe, yeah. that are dedicated to soldiers that have lost their in lives this, in this cemetery and, yeah yeah and just like the visual of 
all of the crosses and like how they're lined up and just how many there are are just it's so fucking powerful mm-hmm. and ah oh, it's crazy yeah but then but then it cuts but then to, the next scene is then like i was saying then it insane. cuts to the perspective mm-hmm. of or at least we're following tom hanks character captain miller as he's on those boats you know about to be launched onto onto normandy mm-hmm. and taylor i kind of cut you off but you were sharing your experience, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, one of the major things that I kept noticing before diving into the film was the historical discussions of the film of how accurate the depiction of it um, is in regards to, like, the visceral just carnage and horror that is being in war. And, yes, yeah, still some minor details that, you know, are not historically accurate, but the majority of it from the depiction of how... The soldiers got into the beaches, the way that they were gunned down, the reality of the disorganization of it, all of those key elements, those major elements, that, that's pretty accurate. I mean, Normandy was basically just um, waves upon waves of soldiers on a beach mm-hmm. until we got some sort of foothold. Exactly. Getting mowed, like getting mowed down. So that, That's basically what it was, just yeah. endless waves. Oh, yeah. It was absolute madness. And this film was released back in 1998, and during this time when... A lot of veterans from World War II actually were, you know, giving feedback from watching the film. I think there were instances where some of them had to, like, walk out or some of them, like, were actually getting visceral, like, flashbacks because so, that oh, shit was, like, that hardcore. They actually, they actually opened, and when this movie went in theaters, they actually opened a, like, 1-800 helpline for veterans really? that saw this movie. Really? Yeah, specifically for... Damn! Saving That's Pepper wild. Yeah. That's, it, it That's that insane. Experience. But I can only imagine. I mean, mm-hmm. imagine or just like think about how much of an impact like watching that movie had on us. Oh yeah, and we have no idea what it's like. No, I mean to serve overseas. From and, what mm-hmm. I understand, uh, Big Daddy Steven Spielberg, director, did like a ton of research. I mean, yeah, all, all of the I know like all of the um, guns that were fired were actually recorded from actual firearms being shot. Super, and, like, super I know useful. The, the boat engines and all these different things were like authentic, authentic to what was used. And on top of that, I was because the way I was watching it, I was watching it on like Amazon Prime, and they have like the X-ray like trivia stuff. And one of the things that popped up was the original concept for this film steven spielberg wanted it to be like a i guess like a like i'm totally gonna mispronounce the title of it but it's like a a boyhood adventure type of film where it's like the perspective of like you know like boy scouts magazine type of like adventure but when he actually did interviews and actually talked to those who've been through this experience and actually started diving into he was like oh hell no that would be highly inappropriate so yeah yeah he adjusted his approach and made this film and much more of a gritty down-to-earth, realistic reflection of the reality of it. It also kind of completely recontextualized what a war movie can and could be, like, can and could be. Yeah. It really kicked off this extremely gritty, visceral, realistic war movie Mm. that we had, like, people hadn't really seen prior to it. So, with that in mind, because there's several war movies that came prior to this, like, say, uh, what's the one I'm looking, thinking about? There's two Vietnam ones. There is... Full Metal Jacket. and And then Platoon, yes. So, (laughs) thank you. So We we went on a war kick after we first originally watched this movie. I think we watched, like... But we didn't watch those two. Yeah, okay. But that's a prime example. Like, you know, Saving Private Ryan definitely helped introduce this, you know, reappreciation of, like, war films. And... Prior to this film, 
Platoon and Full Metal Jacket, if I'm not mistaken, were considered like the gold standard when it came down to war films, especially yeah, with this depiction uh, of uh, Vietnam. Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now, there we go. That's another good one, too. Yeah. Was one. Um, so do you think this film was like that revitalization of... Yeah, just, just I think it just changed it. It's like, yeah. it's the way that it was filmed, how gritty it is, how it, how it really just goes no holds barred into yeah. it. I think, I think it really... I mean, this movie, if I remember correctly from what I was reading, this movie was the highest grossing R-rated movie in theaters until 2014. Yeah. When American Sniper came out. It was like the highest grossing, yeah. I can see that, yeah, for sure. I think I actually have it pulled up where I read that because I didn't want to misquote it. But yeah, it was was pretty crazy. And... Just to like land, like just focus more on this like initial yeah, sequence because last, it's honestly the big one. Yeah, last radar movie to lead box office charts until 2014 with American Sniper. Ah, huh, damn. Wild. Yeah, but just to like just focus more on this entire sequence. Th- when you're in the boat with the soldiers, it just sitting there preparing for D Day. You just the the thing that I really appreciate about this film is another reason why I love it so much. It captures the emotionality and right. the atmosphere of the experience constantly. Mm-hmm. And you can feel every minor thread of experience, whether it's fear, anxiety, scare. Uh, it's like absolute like being bonkers, like panicked or being a leader trying to maintain composure. Like Tom Hanks, he has this um, tremor. tremor that keeps yeah. popping well, up. What I love about this movie is it's not like it. it does such a good job about portraying these soldiers as just people that were drafted. Yeah. They're not, they're like, I feel like a lot mm. of war movies, it's like these tough soldiers that are in war. And I mean, right. they are tough. Like, right. that's fucking hard. I can't even imagine. But it also kind of brings you back down to reality that these are just people. Like, Tom Hanks' character, he's a, what, second grade teacher? He's a high school teacher. Yeah, he's English a high school teacher. teacher. That's right. He's and that's an English reve- teacher. That's revealed, that's like revealed at the very at end. The very end but yeah, it's right. just like little things like that, like the tremor, the him being a teacher, like it just makes you realize like these are just people that were drafted and like had to leave their families right. to go fight overseas. Right. Pro- most of them probably never even really held a gun before they were sent to basic training. And that actually harkens to something that is explored throughout the film is like some of the backstories of some of the different soldiers and like where they came from. And that definitely is revealed not only through the characters, like characterizations, but also just how they talk about their past lives. And one thing that really stands out is the fact that a good chunk of these soldiers, you know, yes, some drafted, others volunteered for it because with this whole fucking war, Mm -hmm. woo! It's the idea of like having that common like external enemy. It's like, dude, we gotta take these guys down, take out the Germans. Like, all right, let's go. And a lot of these soldiers have been fighting for years, yeah, nonstop. And the fact that it still affects them to this heavy degree, I mean, it's understandable because combat. It's literally just the best way I can describe it. You don't know what the fuck's gonna happen at any given second. Like at any instance, you could be dodging bullets all across the way and survive D-Day. But the next thing you know, you wake up and try to go out of like, say a building and get shot out of nowhere because the sniper's on a fucking yeah, bell it's tower. Like, how do you, like, how do you even sleep? That's like, the thing. How, how do you relax? Well, while you're... Yeah, exactly. That's no, a know. good point. And, yeah. And that's why like this movie does such a good job about like portraying those little things, like mm. things that you probably don't think about in every war movie. Yeah, well, because right. it doesn't it really also... do, it doesn't really focus in on that. Mm-hmm. I think it also poses like a couple big questions too like oh yes like the value of human life and where mm-hmm. you draw that line right. which is something that like i think gets you don't you probably don't think a lot about in war or at least you know we think about in terms of war movies right, right. And stuff like yeah that. it really it, it really tries to 
to focus on that because their whole mission is to save this private Ryan who his three other brothers all died in combat. Yeah. So he's the only surviving heir to his mother and they, she's about to get three letters that mm-hmm. her three or four children are dead. So they are on a mission to go save this one guy. Mm-hmm. And a big part of the dialogue that this company has is like, why is this one guy worth all of this? And that's another thing about, I appreciate about this film is the fact that it poses questions that it creates that dialogue, creates that discussion. And the film doesn't exactly create an answer for it, at least maybe from my perspective, but it does have in a way, but it offers enough of a space to have that opportunity. Like, okay, let's explore it. Like to like see right. how, you know, these group of men or just people in general would try to figure this out. And funny that, that you know, th- with this context of trying to save one soldier because the West have died, there is a historical context for this. So, in the exchange between the generals that are talking to the chief of staff prior to sending out the orders to save Private Ryan, they reference the Sullivan brothers, who were actually, uh, this happened in real life, there were a group of, I believe, five soldiers that were in the Navy that were on a Navy vessel called Juno, funny enough, and it got torpedoed by the Japanese, I believe back in 1942, if I recall correctly. I literally searched this up while I was watching the film. <laughs> and because of the fact that they died, because they were all in the same unit in the same, like, you know, area... And the fact that they had to tell their family, like, literally your entire, like, you know, children are dead. That created a precedence where if brothers are in the military, they need to be separated because they didn't want that to happen again. Yeah. Right. And the story that Saving Pride Ryan is inspired from, there was an instance where there was a soldier right after um, D-Day that, it was around that time, where two of his brothers died. One of them was uh, another one, a third brother that was a pilot, was shot down. And he was deemed KIA. So they're like, well, shit. Um, all of his brothers are dead. Where's the fourth one? And they're like, okay, find his ass and bring him home. Right. And similar to what was portrayed in the movie, he was found. And they're like, okay, we got to bring you home. And he was like, no. Like, I, it sucks my brothers are dead, but I have to continue my right. mission. But in reality, they're like, nah, bitch, just orders. Let's go. Yeah. They, like, pulled him back. And so they brought him home. And, you know, family was absolutely elated. They were happy to have him home. And it turns out that his brother that was shot down and deemed KIA actually survived. And so they found the brother and brought him home as well. So it was a bittersweet circumstance. But, you know, that's where the inspiration for the story kind of comes from. I didn't know that. And I also know that Steven Spielberg's father actually served in World War II. And a big big reason for him wanting to make this movie was kind of like as a love letter to his dad, too. Which is probably why I think a lot of heart comes through. Like, a lot of care comes through in this movie. Like, it's very... It's very clear that Steven Spielberg took it super seriously. I don't think it's glamorized. I don't mm-hmm. even mean like in, I don't even mean with like rose tinted glasses. He's just very diligent in all the details that he puts into the movie. Dear God, and is careful. that appreciated? Fuck. Yeah. I mean, even down to the fact that uh, what's the sniper's name? I have it right. Oh here. yeah, what, God, I love that sniper. The that sniper's name. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I'm sure one of you guys will pull it up before I can even finish my thought. But basically, he. He's a left-handed sniper, but on his right hand... Barry his... Pepper is the actor's name. Okay. Cool. Oh. The actual actor. Private Jackson. Private, Private Jackson. Jackson! Yeah! He, uh, he's, he's like an ace sniper, and I don't know if you noticed, but he's got a bruise on his thumbnail, mm. and that was a really common bruise for people that shot the M1 Grand have, because they would jam, and they'd have to shove their thumb into it, and it would... Like slam, slam close. Mm. Grand thumb is a thing. Oh, that's why he's got wow. that bruise there. See, that's like that's dope detail. Crazy, yeah. Yeah. I love shit like that. Oh my gosh, it really. 
adds to the immersion of the experience. And that's another thing this film does so well, immersion. Yeah. That's fucking that, huge. Do you think that Steven Spielberg just did like a bunch of research or do you think he probably like interviewed a bunch of No, he consulted vets. he consulted vets. Yeah. In fact, one that's of them good. one of them is in the movie. You know that scene I didn't I couldn't even I didn't even remember that um Brian Cranston was in this. Yeah, young Brian Cranston is in this. But in that same scene, there's um another general there with yep. white hair, and he's he was a veteran. That, yep. that was consulted for it. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's, that's awesome. Dope. Yeah, it's it's, and I think what lends itself to like the visceral nature of it, especially that first scene, is Steven Spielberg, uh, like knows when to do a wide shot, but then also knows when to go handheld. Like, yeah, knows, knows when to use, um, like a tripod. Or he knows like just when to be like in the you know you know gritty into the dirt with everything and mm-hmm. he and there's that, those first scenes it's like super intimate it's filmed like you're right there you're right there like if the cameraman's clearly running on the beach mm-hmm. it's covered in sand and blood and mm-hmm. like it's very very visceral yeah and as the perspective constantly pans back to Tom Hanks' character as he's like witnessing all this like he's uh, like one of the first major instances is he's off the boat he's on the beach has some cover he's looking around he's fucking dazed disoriented yeah. cuz this all all this shit's happening bodies everywhere people are like bleeding out and he's like barely there until one of his uh you know soldiers under his command is like yelling at him like captain what do we do and he's like fuck ah shit and he starts yelling out orders just getting himself coherent to move and get the soldiers to the next position, but fuck me. One of the things that this film definitely portrays quite effectively is how rapidly, you know, th- there's always, like, a, a general plan that exists when it comes down to any operation, but how quickly that just, like, falls the fuck apart. And, and how... To come up with something. Exactly. Like a new plan on the spot. Exactly. The adaptability and the ability to, like, shift your initial plans and, like, to get the objective going, that's, like, a lot of what is it, you know, portrayed in the film from not only this mission, but also the mission at the end with the tank and bridge scene. And it's one of those unique elements with, you know, military tactics and stuff like that that I personally find fascinating. So it's like, it's fun to see that depicted. So, man, it's just like thinking back to it, it's goddamn awe-inspiring. Just the fact that how well it was portrayed and and captured. I think the other thing that makes it really realistic too is the fact that there's like, 300 people yes in the scene like there's so many actual real people running around and it's chaotic it's a you know part of the reason that we even did this movie was because of how much you you had referenced it in yes. 1917 yep, yeah yep. 1917 and it's very much like they take a they take a card out of saving private ryan's book because mm-hmm. like that final scene with everybody running across the, mm-hmm. the meadow in 1917 yep it's like there's just as many people in this running up those beaches and it's it wouldn't look the same if there there wasn't that scale to it. Oh, exactly. Steven Spielberg knows, like he he knew what he had to do to make this kind of feel real. Mm-hmm. There's very little special effects. Thank it's all like goodness. real fucking explosions and mm-hmm. real yeah. sets. The sets are insane. Ooh. Like everything looks authentic and real. Like the cities look like blown up. You you mm-hmm. you'd be remiss if you didn't even notice that this was a set. The authenticity of it all is yeah. something to be admired. Yeah, for sure. And. One other element that I was just thinking about as we were discussing the scale of the actors that are, you know, portraying the soldiers that are like storming the beach and stuff, the production, like the just organizing all this, because as we've been talking more about films, there's always that element of the behind the scenes, like, you know, what did it take to make this happen? And thinking about films like that back in the 90s, which there's actually, it's a bit of a tangent. There's like a few thoughts that came to mind as a result of this. So this was 
a film that was released in the 90s. And oftentimes, as we look back, the 90s is definitely a mini golden age when it comes down to films. Like, that was the Disney renaissance. That was the era where a lot of the foundational films like sci-fi, like, say, like The Matrix and, uh, well, what's the other one I'm thinking about? The one with Bruce Willis. Um, no, I'm th- the sci-fi film. Oh, Fifth Element. There we go. Yeah. Like, things like that. And then we also have, you know, War Films like Saving Pi Ryan. And then a bunch of other, like, major films were released. Hell, Steven Spielberg was definitely got a lot of his prominence. Like, 90, the, yeah. 99. 90, 90, okay. Yep. Just before 2000s. So I was like... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's on the cusp. Uh, yeah. And then even, like, say, Steven Spielberg's, a lot of his films, like, say, Jurassic Park and stuff like that, you know, came out during this era. Um, and so continuing his, like, you know, reputation of making these awesome films. So... As we look back at, at another capture of great films that were made during that, this era, and then look at what we have now, where it's a lot of VFX-heavy stuff and CGI-heavy type of stuff, and the writing is not as tight and things of that nature, does this create this sense of like uh, a heavy contrast between the quality of just attention and quality that can be made from films like this that's like, what, almost 30 years ago? Versus now, where it's like not even as like that level of quality is not as emphasized with big budget films that have a way bigger budget now. Like, do you feel that contrast after watching a film like this? Yeah, I mean, I think I I think for me, so I'm saving, trying to think of like a good comparison. So, Saving Private Ryan cost seventy million dollars to make. Mm, I wonder how much that would be with inflation, which is a lot of money, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, cost $200 million. Oh, God. And in my opinion, actually, not, fuck my opinion, in, it, bar, <laughs> bar none, Saving Private Ryan, not only is a better movie. Oh, hell yeah, that's not even, is, not even an argument. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to just poke holes at Ant-Man right now, but, right. but more so what I was going to go with is that not only is it a better movie, it looks better. Mm-hmm. Saving Private Ryan holds up and will hold up longer yes. than Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania with its $200 million budget ever will. And that's because of practical effects, because of the time it took to set up real explosions. Yeah, real but what's like a good comparison from Saving Private Ryan to a modern day like a modern, modern I'm modern I'm, movie? I'm trying to not to modern use 1917 day. because that's way too much of a comparison. I want to try something yeah, a little yeah, different. 19... Trying to compare? I'm Do... just saying like it's mm. kind of hard to compare Actually, Saving Private Ryan to Ant Man and Wasp. As far as I'm talking, as far as person, I don't even know. As, what is that? Uh, yeah, but I think it's I think it's just different. I'm more so talking about the budget. I'm just talking about like how I think when you take the time to do. I think in general, uh, the audience knows when something is real. And yeah, wait, that's... how much was Dune? I don't know. I could look it up. Fair, because I'm wondering if like oh, that so probably had a pretty big budget. Right. I guess like the biggest element that comes to mind uh, as a result of this thought process is that. Even with a budget that you know, like Saving Private Ryan had, where it's not as comparable to like the Marvel movies that we have now, they're still able to depict such a great quality out of just what the story has to offer. Versus, it it really just harkens the idea of like just because you have more money doesn't mean you're going to get a better quality product. Yeah. It's the people you have that know what the fuck they're doing and I think that can that make it happen. I think that that's really what where I was trying to go with that. Is mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Ant Man and Again, I, I'm not saying that Ant-Man and Saving Private Ryan are even in the same category. I'm more so saying that, yes, budget has a lot to do with it, but I think it has a lot more to do with who's behind the camera, mm-hmm. the direction that they take. That's kind of what I was leading mm-hmm. with. And I think that Saving Private Ryan, the fact that, I mean, they had, uh, oh man, what's the big visual effects studio? Is that uh, Luke? Something no. light and sound. What's it? 
I can't remember what's going on. Oh, I know. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. did a bunch of big movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they were part of this film, and Steven Spielberg, easily, it's made in 1998, easily could have used CGI. Yeah. But really, the only thing that they did was use CGI, like, on, I think, like, blood splatters and gunfire. Mm-hmm. And Just like adding that. an extra touch to it. Yeah, versus, and, and yeah. they totally could have, I mean, this was made in 1998. In a year, The Matrix would come out. And The Matrix, The Matrix had a ton of CGI and a ton of special effects. All I'm saying is that I think that when people take the time to use real effects and stuff, it pays off. And and a movie that uses those will last longer in time, at least as of right now, where computer generated graphics are, practical effects will just always look better. Yeah. See, as I'm looking back at the, it's it's I'm trying my best to make sure that these comparisons are not completely distorting the way I'm seeing things, but this contrast is coming up for a reason. When the current discussions, when it comes down to modern films, whenever I listen to like podcasts or discussions from like film goers or film critics or even aspiring filmmakers about how things are now, there is this continuous recognition that there has been a rather strong dip in the overall quality of writing, production value, and even with all this big money that's thrown at like these films, it's just not the same. But when we look back at like the 90s and stuff, and see the type of films that were released during that era with comparatively, you know, for that time, those pretty hefty budgets and things like that. People are fucking lazy nowadays. I don't even think that is people are lazy. I think there's a ton ton of, like, super talented people that make movies nowadays. In fact, we've got, like, the next... You've got the next wave of greats that are making movies right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think think it's less about... And some diamonds and less about... I think it's honestly less about the people making the movies and more about the consumer and more mm. and more about the way, you know, when, when a movie's made, it's, it's giant companies basically wanting to sell seats in theaters. Right. And yeah. at the end of the day, that's what they're trying out, to do. What sells out seats. And again, I'm not trying to just poke a jab at Marvel, but like Marvel right. movies do, right. they always right. will, mm. you know, existing IPs always will. And that's why it's you see, thought. yeah, well, it's, we're going to be 100 years old and they're still going to be making Marvel movies? Yes. I sure. would say in that regards, it is going to peter out. And actually, I think the change... <laughs> well, uh, here's the thing. So I, There's well, well, no here, shot well, at Marvel. So here's the thing. <laughs> the superhero genre in itself is going to have its relevance for sure. But with the success of movies like Super Mario Brothers and things of that nature and The Last of Us as a TV series... The video game IP might become the new, I would say, zeitgeist, or whatever the case may be, when it comes down to films. Because superhero movies was the big thing over the last, like, almost two decades. And then there was a brief blip of, like, zombie movies and, like, that in in between. The next trend could potentially be video game movies if the success of these films keep going. And it might even transcend. Yes, but successful ones that are breaking in billions of dollars. I think Rampage did really well. Yeah, it's not even close. Is that the monkey movie? Yes, it or is. The gorilla movie? Yeah. Yes, I it is. I loved it. Okay, anyways, we got to get back. <laughs> yeah, so, but the, tangent aside, the whole point of this was to explore the reality that when looking at a film like this compared to the current like options we have now, it's kind of refreshing to just see that level of just care put into a film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it holds up too. Yeah. yeah oh, I, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even Shannon commented, like, when is this movie made? 
movies like it's made in the 90s. <laughs> I totally sound like it looks, that. It looks really good for a movie made in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that like a big reason for that is like, yeah, the, not only the care behind the camera, but also the care that's in front of it. I mm. mean, the makeup, the sets, like everything we've already said. It's, mm. It just holds up really well. And that's because as time goes on, explosions are going to be explosions, mm. but computer-generated effects aren't, they're going to change with time. Right. What, right. What's groundbreaking right now is not going to be groundbreaking in 20 years. Right. It's going to look rudimentary and old. But Saving Private Ryan, because it's all real in the sense of like, you know, what's on screen th- is real. No, sorry, not to cut you off, but do you think that maybe... Some of the modern day movies don't hold up as well anymore because we have access to all this like technology to do CGI that they don't have to do like practical effects anymore. Yeah, I think that's and, a big and, element to yeah, it. Yeah, and, and CGI is generally cheaper than practical effects. Yeah. Yes, but I think the bottleneck that they're encountering right now is that because there's such high demand for VFX, the studios themselves are like the actual like VFX studios themselves are like have this huge queue of like work that needs to be done that they're not able to like support it. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts in like the next five years. So like, I'll save that for later, but I was just thinking about how the wider strike even exists now. And it would be interesting if like a VFX strike happens in the future, but it's just one of those things where you are recognizing there are shifts happening because of the demand that's existing within Hollywood. And hopefully as these rapid, you know, calls for change to occur, it will lead to better quality being, uh, you know, introduced to films. For sure. Yeah. With that aspect, you know, being explored, one thing I want to reel us back into is just the journey that these soldiers are experiencing. Mm-hmm. So right after D-Day, you know, the one of the major things that is explored is once there's recognition that Ryan, uh, you know, the brothers, three of them have passed away and one is still alive. And th- even initially in the office room with the generals and the chief of staff, like, why should we do this? Like, yeah, why are we going to waste resources to save one dude? And this film asks that throughout the course of the entire film. It's like, the is inverse, this worth it? Yeah, the inverse is also true where Tom Hanks' character basically at a, at a certain point says, you know, Every time somebody dies, you have to rationalize it as for this one person that dies, maybe two live. Right. Or, or five live or a hundred live. Right. So it's like the inverse is also true. Right. Saving mm-hmm. a life as, as taking one or one going away type of thing. And that is from the perspective of someone that's in command of men and who's trying to, who bears the burden of realizing that their orders led someone to their death. So how do you justify that so you can keep going and continue to lead? And that's mm-hmm. his way of processing it. But then it asks the question, okay, fair, but then what about the value of a man? Like, what is the value of a singular individual? Right. And that is something that is bounced back and forth, and it's a very circumstantial element, especially in the context of war. And I think one scene that really explores this heavily is this sequence that leads to the medics of the, of the company, uh, Wade, his death, and how do you treat someone who's a prisoner of war, who's responsible for the death of your comrade, And all of that, like that whole sequence was Mm -hmm. really well done because it just explored like the various elements of it. It's also, it's also one of the only times I think that the movie shows that like poor decisions are made too. Mm. There was no need to take that, that machine gun. Obviously it was something that Captain Miller, Tom Hanks character felt like he needed to do. Well, that, you know, 
to protect more people down the line that right. they would kill. Like, I get what they're saying, but it also, like, everybody basically in his, his uh, command were like, we don't have to do this. This right. isn't the mission. This seems, like, reckless and dangerous. But well, that no. goes back to, like, Tom Hanks' character saying, like, you know, I'm two people may have died under my watch, but I probably saved 20 people or whatever. Right, and that, ar- that. And that harkens back to the reason he made that choice, yeah. is that, yes, this is a dangerous route. But are we going to leave this so another company can die? Yeah. And, right. and yeah. Then they, and then they lose someone. Yeah, they do. They do. And, yeah, and they lose someone and there ends up being one Nazi still alive. Right. That ends up becoming an element near the end of the film. Which leads to probably one of the most frustrating moments. Oh, my God. That I've experienced in a while. Yeah. But, but we'll get to that when we get to we that. We will get to that. Yeah. That whole exchange of... And this actually goes into I love how this film like puts in certain characters and certain elements to mm-hmm. represent like different Vin perspectives. Diesel. Like Vin Diesel. <laughs> Holy I shit. I love Vin okay. Diesel. Oh. Probably the best that Vin Diesel's ever been in. I was gonna movie. ask Fair. you, what did you think of Vin Diesel in this? I mean he's just like he plays Vin Diesel. He's like the big dumb guy that just like even though oh, his she reminds me of my niece and then immediately gets yeah, shot. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well it's, like, it's kind of, <laughs> I don't know if it's like maybe it's just because I just see Vin Diesel as Family. Oh my even, god, that is... Oh. Even in this movie, he doesn't have a wife. He doesn't right. have a kid. He's but like, still trying to save the kid. Yeah. And then he's, spoiler alert, Vin Diesel's character dies. When he's dying, yeah. he's like holding out this letter, give this to my dad! <laughs> my dad! Has anyone... Okay, well, so... He like, he's still just thinking yeah, about family. I guess explain that scene really is just like, hmm. he, there's this uh, French family that are trying to hand this, you know, the American soldiers their child, their young right. daughter... And everyone's like, no, we're not. We're like, literally in warfare, we're not going to take this child. And the, Diesel's the, character's yeah. like, oh, she reminds me of my niece. He goes <laughs> and takes her. Right. And I understand why. Like, I'm poking fun because it's Vin Diesel. <laughs> I get what the character's doing and I get what they were trying to say with it as well. Yeah. Like, oh, sure. you know, we can't leave her behind. Like, whatever. But he literally grabs her and is immediately shot. Well, yeah. and that's. Immediately shot. And, and that's something that both, you know, what Vin Diesel does, what a lot of the soldiers do, and up him. I think believe that's the character's name, the one that's yeah. like the not the most experienced at all. Um, the most inexperienced. The most inexperienced, yeah. yes. And each of those characters are representing the more non-experienced, either non-experienced or the soldier that has that sense of morality of like, we're trying to do the decent thing still, while the more experienced or much more, I would say, grizzled and experienced of the soldiers, especially those in command like Tom Hanks and the Sergeant Mike, who's, or Mike Horvath, uh, that's the... Second in command to Tom Hanks. Tom Sizemore's character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And from their perspective, they're seeing it more from like the military command, the big picture, what do we need to succeed this operation type of approach. And that is that difficult contrast that exists within war, which this film constantly has that dialogue, not only within the exchanges between the characters, but also in the actions of the characters as well. And I love that. Any film that has the opportunity to explore a major concept or idea or even philosophy from every aspect that it can, it's f- so appreciated because you can see the arguments of all sides and they have valid arguments on every perspective. So it's like, what is the best approach? And this film just showcases like, this is what war is. It's chaotic as fuck. And mm-hmm. w- in both the American side and the German side, it, there was just brutality on both sides that was committed, and it's just all fucked 
And one one phrase that's often introduced in the film that I absolutely appreciate, foobar, fucked up beyond all recognition. Yeah. Ever since <laughs> yeah. I discovered that phrase, like, I love this phrase. What this does it mean? Foobar. Fu- fucked up beyond all recognition. Hmm. Yeah. Does it say that? The yeah, it does. In the movie? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah they, so they keep making jokes about it throughout the entire movie that it's like a German word or it's yeah. French word. Yeah. Or something. And then Upham is like, it's not in the dictionary. It's on the German dictionary. Yeah. And they Later on, they explain that it's right before the final battle. They're like, that's fucked up beyond all recognition. All recognition. And he's oh. like, he's like, oh. oh. When I remember him saying, oh, foobar. But I, I guess I missed them like explaining it. I thought, I thought he just like. He just like made a different connection. Yeah. yeah. Or something. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, it's something that they reflect throughout the course of the film that. Yes, this is a fucked up situation, but we still got to keep going because the a lot of this film has self-explanation in it of like why certain things happen, even if it's not agreed upon, like the soldier's duty. You must follow orders for the sake of the, mi- War sake of the mission. War is such a crazy thing. It is. It's so crazy. It is. It, I was just, I, sorry, not to cut you no, off, no, but yeah. like I was sitting there watching this movie last night and I was like, it is so wild that we just like send people off to, I mean, essentially murder people. Like, I, I get the mm. reason behind it. Like, they're protecting their country and, like, there's, mm-hmm. there's reasons. Right, there is a purpose behind it, it, yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's just, like, it's okay for two countries to battle and just murder each other. Mm. But you couldn't go off on the street and murder somebody. Right, like the it's justification. It's just such a bizarre, yeah. it's just such a bizarre concept. Like, I again, I get it. Like, right. they're fighting for their country. Yeah, like, the level And of it's, ju- like, needed. yeah. But it's just so wild. Yeah, and I'm sh- and I'm sure like those soldiers are thinking the same thing. Like this is against everything for like we're not like we're not supposed to kill people. In fact, I think uh, when Tom Hanks reveals uh, right after Wade passes and reveals that his background, he's harking to that exact point where he explains every time I kill someone, I feel further away from home. Yeah, and that's just a reflection of how much he's changed ever since he's yeah. been in this war. And, I I, yeah. I actually loved that. Oh yeah, that um, conversation that he was having. Like it, it really again just brings back the reality of everything. Yeah, and it's like, and we've watched other war movies where, you know, they have a German soldier or whatever in front of them, and they're like. Do we? He's surrendering. Do we spare his life or do we right. kill him? And right. Well, it there's happened usually in 1917. And, yeah, and there's usually mm, yeah, always yeah, exactly. yeah. a battle between two other soldiers of like right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And in that situation, there really is no right answer. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, you don't want to kill somebody. None right. of these people want to kill anybody. Well, they, but if they you, definitely want to kill each other when they are fight, like when they're in combat. Right. Well, they definitely sure, want to sure. kill each but other. But to their but, core, like this, it's not like these people want to go out and just kill a bunch of people. Like right. they're in combat, but it's like if you don't and you let this person walk away, who's to say they won't come back? They're not going to come well, back and kill that, you. Well, which they pose is that, they pose it, that exact question yeah. because it, during that point, um, and they where they have this this you know German soldier basically. Digging his own grave, essentially. Yeah. Uh, they have a conversation where one of one of the soldiers in, um, underneath Captain Miller mm-hmm. is basically like, "No, if you release this guy, if you let this guy live, who's to say that he doesn't wander down the road and just encounter like another battalion right. and right. enlisted immediately, right? Come, like come after us, right? And you see, you see both sides of you see, you, in the beginning, I mean, you see American soldiers mow down to check. Czech soldiers. Yes, yes. In the beginning, and they're, 
I guess the translation of what they say in the beginning is like, we're not German, we're Czech. Right, exactly, yeah. They're like, oh yeah, and they mow them down, they're unarmed. I'm glad you mentioned that point because I was about to introduce that too, yeah. Yeah. And so you see both sides of it. I mean, like, I think what this movie does is, and I've seen people argue that this this movie is propaganda. I don't really think that it is. But I've seen, I, I, I could see, I guess I could see why people would think that. But I think more so what it's showing is like, you can put yourself in the shoes of the soldiers that hate the other side. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking put yourself in the German sh- shoes, but in, in this battalion that we're with, yeah. you watch their their friends get killed. Mm-hmm. And so you can sit there and you can kind of rationalize why they would have no mercy on these other soldiers. Now, the idea of this film being propaganda, eh, just, <clears throat> I think this has been an item that we may have discussed either on podcast or outside, but... The way that these films were portrayed, like Platoon, Apocalypse Now, Flamel Jacket, even 1917, this film in particular, oftentimes war films are more like anti-war films because who the fuck wants to get involved in any of this shit? Now, here's the thing. When you recognize that a lot of the reasons why soldiers get into this in the first place is a sense of national pride, a recognition of a higher purpose, defending one's country, you know, being the person that has the capacity to do a task, and if you have the capacity to do it, then you have that responsibility, sense of duty, all that jazz. Understandable. But then, when you look at a film like this and think, oh, this is trying to encourage people to get into the military and stuff like that, I think, I think it's, a lot of, mm. I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the things that I read about people feeling like it was propaganda was less about, like, military propaganda and more about, like, American propaganda. As in, like, putting us in, like, the great light versus, um, Putting everyone else that's opposing us, yeah. regardless and, of what it and is, I, and I disagree. I don't yeah. think it is. I think that in this movie, American soldiers do bad things. Just yeah. as I mean, this is like the most fairly horrible, neutral yeah, film when it comes down to this. Yeah, so I, I don't, dis- I don't agree with it, but I think that that's what a lot I've seen people share feedback on. Mm. Um, uh, so in that aspect, I can see what you mean. I thought it would be more of like from a. I mean, obviously, like well, obviously, yeah. you're going to feel a little bit more towards the. Americans in this movie because oh, they're yeah. following the Americans' journey. Right. I'm sure if they made a mo- the same movie from the German side, from the or German's something like that. perspective, you would feel the same way towards the Germans. Mm. Maybe not. Maybe mm. if Adolf Hitler was in it, you wouldn't. Mm, yeah, I mean, no, no genocide <laughs> of an entire like group of people. The closest so thing that comes to mind is not exactly war. I'm just but, saying like, you're like you're you're learning more about the the American soldiers. Yeah. As people, yeah. and you're there, you don't learn anything about the yeah. all quiet on the Western Front is the inverse of the oh, yeah. I that's another film I want to check out because I heard great things about that, yeah. But yeah, so this film, like the way it depicts like war and all that jazz, like well, it definitely has and, like that anti war element to, to it. I guess to add to that counter argument, too, the one German that they do spare in the end does <laughs> come back and. Should I just spoil it? Do you, like, come back and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Comes back and kills, like... The guy that fucking guy, saved him. Yeah. Well, no. Well, the to guy, a degree, to guy. a degree. So yeah. he... One of the yeah, he, that, like... So when they spare him, he basically is like, fuck Hitler, fuck Hitler, like, hmm. acting like he's, like, surrendering. And, right. Just saying anything he can, even well, Just to keep yes, himself alive, and yeah. they're like... And when they're trying to figure out if they should spare him or not, they're like, well, what if he goes and Joins the, back to the German ranks, yeah. And then... Spoiler alert! In the end, he is at the final fight, and he actively to kill shoots uh, Miller, but, Captain yeah. Miller, yeah. and Upham actually sees this, and he's yeah. like, "What Upham the fuck?" It. And that's why he fucking kills him at the end. Like Upham, when he 
causes the German soldiers to like surrender the weapons, he looks at the guy that shot Merlin. And the and he's like, guy says something in German. I wish I knew what it was. I don't know what he says, but he says something in German, and then he shoots him. Oh no, he says up him, and then he shoots him. The German yeah. says up him. Oh, I thought he said nope, because subtitles, and it says it in subtitles. Why oh. would he know his name though? Because uh, from the exchange, because they were speaking in German, and they actually like exchanged names from my understanding. Oh, okay. So that's when when the German was like, well, you know, he was surrendered. like up him, and then he saw him like you saw him bitch and like shot him. Yeah, that didn't redeem up him in my. <laughs> like, oh yeah, God, see, so I, another I, thing about yeah, that too. Should so we talk about him. Yeah, yeah. So up him is a. He's never seen. I mean, combat. I understand his yeah. his hesitation. Character. Oh yeah, yeah. Like he's never seen combat. He is a translator only, basically. He only, yeah. The last time he held a weapon was in training. Basic training, yep. yep. Uh, so he has no idea what he's doing. He's never killed anyone. He's mm-hmm. never fired a weapon outside of training. Yep. And he's like, he is the, he's kind of like the pseudo, he's kind of like the audience surrogate yeah. in a way. Yeah. Because he, he's not a soldier, basically. Yeah. Um, and so he's kind of just the company's bitch for the entire. <laughs> I mean, he is. He's like the guy that runs the ammo back and forth. He's right. The guy that picks up their packs and runs because it they, them and like because well, because they they need him as a translator so they can't die. But they recognize he but doesn't they, have that right. that. But they yeah, also recognize the grit that, for like that, the soldier yeah. aspect. God damn it! He literally just let soldiers die. So yes, and that was a very frustrating scene to witness. And and I I'm, get it. Like yeah, I. I can only imagine. I've seen this movie so if many I, times, and every time it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's frustrating you as hell. Because, like, if you've seen this movie, the ending fight, like, there is a scene where two soldiers are upstairs in a building, and they are... Manning a machine gun. Yeah, and mm-hmm. there are, and a German soldier comes up there and is well, killing them. Well, at first, they're Upham, Upham has the... A bandolier oh, of yeah. ammo for them, and they're and calling like, for Upham the to give to bring the, am- yeah, to bring the ammo to them because they're out of ammo. And then when Upham heads over to the building and is about to go in, he recognizes there's a German advancement coming in, and they're actually starting to encroach upon the building, about to go up the stairs. Yeah. And so when the two soldiers that are already at that second level recognize out of ammo, they're hearing someone climbing up the steps, and they and one the Jewish guy actually calls out for Upham, like, "Hey, is that you?" Something like that. It's like Upham, yeah. Upham. And when they don't hear response, they fire at the wall yeah. and kill one of the guys. But then they get shot through the walls as a result, and that causes one of the soldiers to die. And then <clears throat> the I think his name was uh, what was the Jewish soldier's name? Melish. Melish, that was it. So Melish is left standing, and the like German... Adam Goldberg. Adam Goldberg, nice. And one of the Germans comes up, and they go into a melee combat. Well, he, the first the German shoots through the wall and kills the guy that Melish right, is with. Right, right. And then, uh, like, they, yeah, Melish responds by shooting... Oh, you, okay, yeah. 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 And, then, and then he runs in, and they get into hand-to-hand combat and over oh this my guy's body. body Again, another prime example of just the fucking brutality and of it all. And this whole time... Upham is right there. Is right there on the stairs. He's hearing this happening. He has a gun in his hand. He could do something, yeah. and that's the frustrating bit. Yeah. He could do something, yeah. Yeah. but and he's and so he also afraid. Knows only one person up there. Yeah. Right, but he's so afraid, and just out of he recognizes he's out of his element. He's like, yeah. he's so overwhelmed by the reality of the situation. He just freezes, and there's like but that fight, sure flight, or freeze, and, and he's freezes. And yeah, so and I'm sure that there's multiple so- soldiers that started off that way until mm. they had their I'm sure there's face multiple to face. soldiers that just were that way. Yeah. 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 It, it, yeah. Hell, they even just picked that in D-Day to a degree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, D-Day, yeah, yeah. There's tons of people just, yeah, crying, and it, it's horrible. But yeah. I, I, 
Hell, even it, Private Ryan, like, there's a shot where after... He's in the fetal position. Exactly, yeah. End. But that, yeah. to be fair, that's also after he was fighting for his life. And, and I'm, d- I'm just saying, fair, I'm sure fair, there's fair. A, lot the of, a, a lot of yeah, yeah. soldiers that had never been in combat before and reacted this way. Yeah, like, I, how could you not, honestly? Yeah, I mean, I yeah. um, but as a, And then having whatever that turning point is, and for Upham, it was seeing that German soldier that he let go trying to kill them again. Yeah. Um, like, do you... And tr- then finally having to, like, pull the trigger. Well... And I'm sure... He only... He only finally pulled the trigger once they had surrendered. Right. He when he had the, uh, the up, up, upper hand. He until after the guy dropped his weapon. So he basically... Yeah. It's, it's kind of like... He, it, it's reflecting that, like... I get why it's in the movie. Like, it, mm. it's, it's there to serve the purpose of... It teaches him a lesson, basically, where, like, in war, there can't be this, like, sort of... The sense of mercy is... is that, oof. Yeah, it's, it's basically out the window, because now yeah. he's lost it. Now he kills the right. person that's unarmed. You don't want to give the war. opponent that advantage, because they yeah. will use that as leverage against you. But it's so unbelievably frustrating, because Upham, you know, Upham is sitting there with a weapon that could save this guy who's saved Upham's life multiple times, yep. Mellish. And Melish dies a pretty gruesome death. Oh, that death was so fucked up. And even better, the German guy, as he gets out of the room, sees up him, but doesn't deem him as a threat. So he like walks by him too. I'm like, God damn. He's basically like pathetic. Right. Like, yeah. Like he recognizes he's not a threat. Yeah. Yeah. He just walks right by him. And, And it's just, it's hard to watch too. And I think, I think part of what makes it hard too is that because Although Upham is kind of like the audience surrogate, he's not necessarily our. He's definitely he's not our. I wouldn't say even protagonist, but he's not like our. He's just a different point of version, or, point of or, view. Or, yeah, our main point of view. So this whole movie, you're seeing people perform these acts of valor and save people and, and engage in combat and all these different things. So when you know that he has the ability to do this, but doesn't, and ends up having this guy. You know this his friend, this friend of his, get killed. It's really hard to watch. But I yeah. think because of that. You just mentioned how we see these acts of valor, but then we see this heavy contrasting behavior of like, just like crumbling in the presence of this wartime experience. And I think as a result of that, it reinforces the bravery and courage that's necessary to reform those acts of valor. And that just showcases how all the soldiers that went in and did this shit despite the risks, the danger, the death of the allies and all that shit, they're like, say, fuck it. We still got to do it. We got to keep going. It just shows how much goddamn courage it takes to do it. And for me, I think as well, what really struck a chord with me during this movie is that in a lot of war movies, when you see deaths, like especially like the air quotes, you know, like the good guys, right? Yeah. Um, When you see that happen on screen, usually it's like this big moment, but people just get like eviscerated in this movie. Oh, dude! And like main, oh. char- like main characters just die. And it's just... Oh, dude, yeah. And that's it. And it just like, carries on. And it, for the late 90s, you know, the 90s, that was not something that you saw a lot. Like, there's... Mm. And there's accidental that, death. That, there's, that goes into it... Be- Probably being why it's such a good realistic well, what I'm war movie mm. yeah. is because you don't have the time and to mourn everyone... your brother that you've been working side by side Dude, yeah. with, well, and you have to keep going, otherwise you're gonna die too. Well, right, even, right, right, right. But I mean, even more so, what I'm saying is like, you know, not every you know, not everybody goes out in this like blaze oh, of glory. Yeah, yeah, blaze of glory, yeah. valor, like. 
you know, taking down a bunch of people with me type of thing that you right. like seen a lot of war movies. It's not like a sometimes, three. It's not the three hundred. Sometimes <laughs> your sticky grenade charge goes off too soon and you blow Dude, up. Dude, when I saw that, I'm like, oh fuck, yeah. that sucks. It's, it's, I think yeah. that kind of goes back to what Taylor was saying earlier, like how you never know what's gonna happen. Like mm. you could survive. Doomsday is that what it's called? Uh, D Day, yeah. D Day. It might as well I'm, be called Doomsday. I'm so bad with history too. Um, you can survive D Day, but then you could die from stepping on a grenade on accident the next yep. day. Like it, there's just you never know what's gonna happen. You have like have to keep your eyes well, open all the time and yeah, like, I mean, be well, cautious of well, everything. Way still, the medic, the way he dies at least from what we can see from the perspective of Upham, is that he throws a grenade into that bunker and they throw the grenade right back at him. And it I up, think he and got just, shot. No, Because he, he had multiple he, different wounds. It was shot shrapnel. It was, I think oh. there was a mixture shrapnel. of shrapnel and uh, I, he, I think it was bullet wound too. He had shrapnel in his chest. And oh, yeah. And in his lower back, he had a bullet wound. Yeah, yeah. So it was a mixture of like different... an acorn. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a shrapnel wound that he has. Um, oh, just to kind of focus on that one as well that oh man i'm just thinking back to the scene because i literally saw it earlier today that way death scene was huge because it's when you're a medic and you understand the anatomy of the human body to the best of their degree at the as they could during that time trying to tell them what to do which is like what do we do what do we do and he knows and the moment he says like it's in my liver it's like like he knows how fucked he is and that must be a scary circumstance to be aware of how your body is set and because you understand medicine, yeah. you're like, I know how well, fucked I am. God damn, that's like yeah. an adds an extra layer of like. Well, and then, yeah, ooh. yeah. Well, and then there's also the moment where he's like, they're like, what can you, what can we do, what can we do? And he's just like, you could give me some more morphine. And then it's it's clear that everyone understands that all he's just trying to do is numb the pain. Like it's just not. It it dawns on them really quick. Like just give him more morphine, and they yep. just kind of like that's how they let him go. And it's brutal. Yeah. yeah. It's it's super brutal. Um, and I like everybody. Everybody dies in this battalion, basically, except for well, no, even even Miller. So, have you noticed that every person that had that letter from Combanzo dies? Well, the only Everyone exception is that. the very last guy who had like the um, the guy that was the most, I would say, disagreeable, and who was against doing the whole Ryan mission. Private who, Reben or whatever. Reben, yes, he was the last one friends. to pick up the letter, and we don't see what happens to him afterwards, but. I noticed that every person that basically carries that letter dies. So Combanzo dies. That so Combanzo dies. Passing on the letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Combanzo dies, I, and then Ray dies, and then Miller have, dies. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even, even notice. I didn't that. even realize that it, it was his letter. I thought it was more so just like pulling their letters out. No, I think that it's, it's Combanzo's letter carried across the board. Oh. Yeah. So when Combanzo oh, dies, Ray pops over picks up the letter and he's transcribing it in the church. Yeah. When Wade dies, Miller picks up the letter, puts it in his pocket. Then when Miller dies, Ryben pops up and grabs his letter. Grabs that letter. I, I thought the same thing that Oliver thought that it was just like he, they one of their, their letters. Tags and they right, but, right. But that, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Because nobody else really talks about having a letter. Only Caparnzo does. Yeah. Interesting. So I thought that was a curious circumstance that there's that thread of trying to carry on yeah. that last wish yeah. yeah and i think you know regarding that i think that a big theme as well of this movie and it's in most war movies but it's like trying to maintain your humanity mm. because there's a scene that i think is pretty impactful probably about halfway through the movie where they are looking 
they all they're all pretty damn convinced that Ryan's dead. They're like, this guy is dead. There's no way he's alive. He's dropped behind enemy lines. Like he's mm-hmm. dead. And there's the scene where they kind of come across this other battalion uh, that's in this field, and he's like, hey, you can go through all these dog tags. Like I, oh, I yeah. haven't been able to go through them, and it's like this Ugh. bag, mm. bag of dog, probably what hundreds oh, of yeah. dog yep. tags. And they start to kind of like play a game of it. They're like right. kind of joking and smoking. Right. Trying right. to add so levity like, to the situation, like, you know? Well, it doesn't even, you can tell it doesn't click for them. Oh, yeah, no. For yeah. any of them. As they're like kind of joking and like, oh, look at this guy. Like, oh, wow, look at this poor bastard. He got like shot through the dog tag. And they're reading it. And there's all of these new troops coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when Wade runs over and he's like, basically, you fucking idiots. Like, right. put, the, put these away. Yeah, the entire airborne is and, looking at you. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. oh, shit. And then at that moment, I mean, as a viewer, you. I would hope you would get it. But at that moment, all of the characters kind of, it dawns on them, like, these aren't pieces of metal. Like, these, these aren't are dog tags. Yeah. These, these are people's lives. lives. Yeah. 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 This and is the remembrance of them. Yeah. There's a lot of moments like that, but I think that one's like a pretty big one. Like, it's yeah. just how they're just completely numb to it. Yeah. The way- Well, and that's, that's what just makes it so crazy is yeah. like, you kind of have to just disassociate everything that's going on over there. And yeah. Uh, it's just bizarre. The weight of death is something that is permeate that permeates throughout the course of not just this film, but just war in general. Yeah. And how each individual handles it varies, mm-hmm. and it's explored quite a bit. But at the end of the day, it does hit them at different degrees. Like shoot, uh, Mellish experiences that at near the end of the D Day invasion, and Miller, whoo, one of the most impactful and best scenes in the film. When Miller is looking at the map, trying to like plan things out, and he it just hits him, mm-hmm. just like all of it, and it just breaks him down. Oh, this is after Wade dies. Yes, after Wade dies, yeah. and yeah. I was actually curious the idea of the like I was wondering if the reason why he has that tremor is that any time he recognizes that the lives of his men are at risk, it just activates and it triggers. So it's like again, I'm he's putting the burden of you know, or the risk of his men dying on, yeah. under effect. And that's whenever he gets that tremor. I'm always curious if that is what sparks yeah, it's it. Not yeah. really, it's not really explained, explained. if it's like yeah, a medical no. thing or if it's... Or if like it's a psychosomatic like a, thing, yeah. Yeah, psychological thing. And it, yeah. it, it bubbles up actually right after that dog tag scene in front of his entire battalion. Right. He's like pulls a compass out and he's trying right. to find where this bridge is. Mm. His hand starts to shake and you can kind of see them all look at each other. Yeah. Um, it just showcases how, like, even someone that's from the soldier's perspective, like, oh, yeah, he's just the, you know, the captain. He's, like, it's going to be stonewalled and everything. But, yeah, no, he's still human. He's still dealing with the realities that, you know, this is fucked up and he's getting impacted as much as those guys. But yeah. because of his position, because he's the leader, he ha- recognizes the responsibility that he has for his team to keep them going. For sure. And I love how this film portrays it so effectively, like, the realities of being a leader in that circumstance is like, you know, the... Can you imagine having to be a leader in that circumstance? Bullshit. <laughs> it's not, like, it's, fuck, it's fucked up, but it. at the same time, like, you, it's like a job that has to be done. Yeah, no, for sure. And something that we haven't really mentioned, but kind of adds to these emotional moments is mm. the score. Did you, mm. do you know who composed the score? No. Could you guess? Did I you... immediately, I didn't... I, I had forgotten who it was. If you say something like John Williams, I'll be like, it is John Williams. Oh my fucking God, are you yeah, serious? Yeah, it's John Williams. How the fuck? God damn. I heard it and I was like immediately like, and I knew it already, you know, because I've seen this movie so many times, but I was like, this sounds 
It just has a style to it yeah, and everything. John Williams. John Williams has made the soundtracks for Harry Potter, Jurassic Park, Star Jaws, Wars, Star Wars. He's like, like he's like he's yeah. basically Hans Zimmer before Hans Zimmer. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of like the ultimate <laughs> movie soundtrack dude. Yeah. Guy. Fucking hell. Okay, that explains. Okay. And if you listen back to it now, you will hear the influence, the influences of all those other movies. Yeah. It was pretty crazy to watch it and be like, this sounds like. Indiana Jones, or this mm. sounds like Harry Potter, or you know what I mean? Like you know, like as I'm listening to like the the horns of like Indiana Jones to like the the brass of like Saving Private Ryan, I can yeah. kind of see it, like yeah. the yeah. similarities. Yeah, I just thought yeah. that that was pretty interesting. That is interesting. Cool, damn, I like that. That's like a nice little tidbit. There's a good chunk of unique, trivial elements behind this film. I think that adds to There's its also presence a, a for ton sure. Ton of actors jumping off. Points. Dude, they have like Brian Cranston. They have Ted Danson in this son of a bitch. Yep. Paul Giamatti. Yep. Matt Damon. Ooh, this was early in his career. He just got done with Goodwill Hunting, yep. and he was. How in- old is Matt Damon in this? Ooh, twenties, definitely twenties. Yeah, this this was his big movie. Yeah, Goodwill Hunting was and a fantastic Matt, like introductory point. It originally wasn't even supposed to be Matt Damon, but I from what I remember, uh, like Robin Williams worked yeah. worked with Matt Damon and recommended to Steven Spielberg that Matt Damon be Private Ryan. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's there's so I mean Vin there's Diesel. So many actors in this movie. Mm-hmm. Big fat liar guy. That's that's Paul Giamatti. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. His name I don't know his name. I just know yep. the big fat liar guy that turned blue. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that Disney movie. <laughs> It, it's kind of like Days and Confused, how Days and Confused has like a ton mm. of actors in it that that was kind of their jumping off point. Right, so yeah. Private Ryan, I think, was that too. Yeah. yeah. I think I forgot like how many actors were in this movie. I knew that Matt Damon was in it. And then I was mm. like, oh, is uh, that Forrest Gump? And then I was is that, like, is that, <laughs> is that Vin Diesel? That's Nathan Fillion, right? Which one? The young guy that's the first Ryan that comes up. Is that not Nathan Fillion? I'm... I was oh my god, if that is Nathan, Nathan Fillion, Fillion, I swear to shit. Shannon, if you're looking it up, look it up. That, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's That would be whole, insane if that was Nathan Fillion. But yeah, it, it, there's oh, just so Oh, fuck many, me, that would be crazy. There's just so many young actors in this. It's super, super cool to see. Yeah. Another cool thing that I remember from this movie is that they all kind of had their own um, input into it as well. Like what, oh, really? Like what they said in the scripts. Like, for example... That scene where Matt Damon is, and that scene where Matt Damon uh, is telling that story about mm-hmm. his brothers, like the last time he saw his brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there was that that woman that that. Yeah, you know, the whole barn scene yeah, and all that stuff. It was ugly, so ugly that she hit you know she she hit every branch on the ugly tree. On the yeah, everything. That was um, funny. That story. was all improvised. The entire story was improvised. Oh, that's but awesome. Was, really? Yeah, but it was yeah, but it was so good that Steven Spielberg kept it in. Oh, that's fantastic! I, I love that. It feels authentic because it is improvised. Yeah, like it's it feels like he's making it up on the spot. Actually, on a quick note, did you actually find out if that was Nathan Fillion or no? Yes, it was. Oh, sweet! Which, oh. I don't even know who that is. It, it he's a dude from Firefly. That's Firefly. Oh fuck me! Okay, well, Last we'll, of Us thing. We'll, mm, we'll talk about that in isn't a different podcast. Called, isn't that called Firefly? Yeah, there's a faction. Of oh fuck, you're right. Fireflies, but that's not what it is. Oh god, no! It's a conversation for a different day. Yes, it is. Okay. But so. It's kind of start to dive into some of the more like end of the you know trying to bring this to an end here because I know we could talk about this exhaustively, but at the same time we want to make sure this is nice and concise. I want to know. Can I'm sorry. Can I interrupt you? Yeah, go for it. Like, is it multiple things or what is it about this movie that makes it? I don't want to give any spoiler alerts, but mm. one of your favorite movies. Because the thing that makes a film stand out for me 
is any experience that helps me better understand a aspect about the world. Mm-hmm. So wartime, being a soldier, all that stuff, that visceral experience, the realities of it, showcasing a unblemished or as close as you can truth of, yeah, this shit's fucked type of deal. Yeah. I appreciate that. Like Requiem for a Dream? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's <laughs> a movie that I keep hearing is fantastic in that regards. That and the emotionality of it, it being able to showcase one of the best aspects of the medium of filmmaking where it makes you feel not just from what you see, but wh- how you relate to the characters, that's huge. The right. questions that are introduced and how it's explored by the characters, I love that shit because it's, it's the philosophical elements of things. I love For that sure. too. And also just those m- moments mm-hmm. and, and the amount of scenes that stand out. Like Jackson and the Sniper is fantastic. I love that character. The death of Wade, well, sad as shit. Has, uh, we haven't talked about it, and I don't want to deviate off of what you're no, no, going to say. No, no, go for it. Uh, the the infamous sniper bell tower scene Woo! where Gosh, there's a German yeah. sniper is so fucking cool. Yeah, it's yeah. such a cool scene the way that that's just put put together. Even though when it's dove into the realistics of it is maybe a bit off, but it is a cool scene. Yeah, I mean just the fact that he, you couldn't shoot through a sniper scope into someone's eye, but otherwise, right. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, the rest of it's fantastic. Even, Not? Even, Hmm? No, that not that possible? angle. I think they even mythbustered it. Yeah, it's like the way that the bullet's trajectory and everything would have happened. Like you could hit them, but it wouldn't go through the yeah, cypher scope. You could definitely hit them, but it wouldn't go. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, but I mean, even that, just the way that that, yeah. Just that whole so sequence. I don't want to go too far into it, but yeah, I mean, even how you see that through the, the German scope and you yep. can see the flash of the gun. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Bang yeah. Later and, yeah. Just, okay. So right there, the fact that those details exist, another reason I love this film, the, the fact that. There are films out there that can have one of these elements. Like, rather, it's like it talks about a visceral experience or right. it talks about great ideas. But the fact that this film is packed with all of these, it's multi layered yeah. and being able to capture all of these things, it's why I love it. It's like yeah. an example of if you want to make a good film, use this as one of the examples to hearken inspiration from. For sure. It's, whoo, I love that shit. Do you think that this is Steven Spielberg's best movie? One of his best films, by fucking far. Do you think this is Steven Spielberg's best movie? I don't know, because I haven't seen enough of his library to be able to make that comment. Hell, I haven't even seen E.T. yet. Canon? I am so bad with, like, directors. Do you like Jurassic Park more than this movie? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> if I say yes, it's only because it's like I like Fast and Furious. It's like, <laughs> it's like you know, nostal- well, nostalgic for me. But right, right, right. This is definitely a better movie. Oh shit! Wait, what else? What else is Steven Seal? Indiana, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Jaws. Did you say everything? No, like he's he's one of the greats. I mean, he really is. Like is, the guy just do, doesn't. Did he do The Shining or who's that? No, that's uh, Stanley Kubrick, right? He also did Ready yeah. Player One. Yeah, she didn't that was the more. That. Uh, oh shit! Yeah, I think That's I'm with Taylor, but months. I don't. I don't know much, like many of his movies, to yeah. really say. But this is a great movie. Yeah, no, this is a whoo. I definitely. think you you hit it on the nail. Like, it just has everything you could want in a movie, and mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, I just it's it's so powerful. 
and it's just yeah I don't know I'm, really I'm, I'm at a loss for words because it's such a good movie I don't even know how to explain really, it we've talked about it a lot but something again that we haven't really talked about is it has a really great pace like it yeah and it's it like yeah it's a long three hour movie, movie yeah. but it doesn't feel that long New. it's a yeah. long movie but it it ha- it's stuff is kind of constantly happening and traje- like the trajectory is is quick and it it makes sense there's only one part where everything kind of lulls a bit and it's intentionally that way. It's like the mm. calm before the storm on the, the yeah. bridge scene where mm-hmm. they're kind of like talking and it's quiet. And that's so good. It's, like that ebb and flow. Yeah. You, you need a it moment It doesn't feel like slow down. in a bad way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we, uh, Shannon and I have already shared our thoughts about this, but for the cinephile that you are, who's seen the much wider library of films, how does this film stack up against a lot of the quality films that you've seen? Because you've seen like from like the bottom barrels to like high tier stuff. So where does it land? Uh, yeah, I mean, this, my, my ranking of this movie will give it away. Like, I, I totally get why this movie is considered one of the best war movies of all time. Mm. I think, I, I think it's, it's not just a great war movie. I think it's just a great movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's really heavy. I, and, and, and that being said, I don't think it's for everyone. I couldn't like, in good faith necessarily just recommend this to everybody. Mm. I could see this being a very triggering movie. Oh, Yeah. And it and it's gruesome. It's I mean, you yeah. see people just get eviscerated. And Ooh, so like, and it, it doesn't, you know, it goes Ooh. no holds barred in that way. And I, mm. I, in that way, it's like there it, was a moment where I actually got kind of lightheaded in this movie. No, and I it's, bet. When, yeah. it's during Wade's death. Oh, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want, if you want to see like a very realistic war movie, you're into that. Then it's easy recommend. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's technically it's an amazing movie. It's perfectly acted. All those different things, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it's the the content alone makes it hard for me to recommend it to everybody. Right. Mm. Um, that being said, it, it's a it's a great movie. Yeah. It deserves all the accolades it's gotten. It deserves to have been you know the highest grossing rated R movie in, from nineteen ninety eight till twenty fourteen or whatever. Like, I get it because it, it deserves it. Do you see anything in this film that would be a legitimate criticism that you know, like whether it's nitpick or like something that's actually blaring. Like, is there anything that you see in this film that is a valid criticism? Yeah, I, you know, I was thinking about that a lot mm. um, while I was watching this yesterday because I was kind of watching it through a different lens than I've watched it before. Yeah. Um, you know, no, I don't know. I, I think I think that's a I think hard some... answer for like any of us to answer. Mm. You know, I, like I, I, I could see, and I'm sorry not to cut you off, but like I could see. People that have lived that, yeah, or just lived any war mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. or if they know like how mach- like the tanks work or guns work, mm-hmm. and if they didn't nail that in this movie, I yeah. can see that being a huge criticism. Yeah, like the but historical for, accuracy of but it. Yeah, for somebody like me who has never fought in a war, who doesn't I, know how these guns or machines work, like I don't have any criticism you know, with it. I mm. think I, I, from what I understand, it's very accurate. I yeah, mean, like, oh, yeah. I tend to have issues with it as far as accuracy goes, but I I guess, like, the only way that I could really think put it is, like, I think if you wanted to not like this movie, there would be things to, to find. Yeah. Here. Like, it it's, it's definitely, like, John Williams' score, as much as I love it, it's definitely, like, I think if someone, again, wanted to, like, if someone wanted to not like it, you could see it as melodramatic. Or you could see mm. it as like um, 
trying to rouse an emotion that maybe you shouldn't be feeling at that moment yeah. because of the score. But it doesn't... Like, speeches it, or... You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but it doesn't feel gimmicky, though. No, no, no. And it's not my opinion. I'm just... Right, saying, right, 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 right. Like, I if someone has to try to find something, to yeah. If someone not like it, I'm sure they could find things that they didn't like. Yeah. In my experience, though, no. I don't really have any problems with it, which is flagging kind of how <laughs> I feel about the movie in general, but I... Right. Yeah. Would you... Okay, well, that being is an interesting... Do you question. have any criticisms for it, Taylor? <sighs> I tried to I see if like there's anything. Not. Well, so like as an example, like there was this one instance. So in Captain Miller's reaction to Raid's, you know, death and him like breaking down, I've noticed that the score was happening. I was asking myself, does the score detract from this? Does it add from it, or is it absolutely neutral? And as I was listening to it and like paying attention to that scene, I was like, you know what? It, it's it's fair because there are occasions where I didn't even notice the score. Well, that's the thing. I don't that's, know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, I think it's it's probably it's a good thing that you didn't notice it because that means it blends in so well with the yeah. backdrop of the experience. And th- the reason I even mentioned it is because there are some occasions where films use a score way too much yeah. in order to showcase like an emotional there, moment and stuff. When it's like let times, it breathe. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's also times where films will put scores in in substitution of like yeah instead of, instead of making you feel something with great acting or great you know the way that a scene is com- like put together. Uh, they will just pump in a score to right. make it. It's like the cinematic way. equivalent of like and a laugh honestly, track. <laughs> it pisses me off when they do that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Know, movies will do that all the time where they think that putting in a sad score makes me care about something. And right. It, and Let me doesn't. just put in this really, really sad score. Yeah. So the actor doesn't actually have to cry. Right. Tears and then it'll be fine. Yeah. So right. Yeah, <laughs> for all the, the half ass writing I've done so far, yeah. right. this will make you care about this character. You know, and I, I hate that. That being said, I don't think in any of those moments where that score comes in, for me personally, yeah. it doesn't necessarily detract be- because of yeah. because everything else is so good, and because I do care about these characters and I care about what's happening on screen. The score isn't telling me to feel something that I'm not already feeling. Right. It's like, it's it's, it's yeah yeah. It's like a, like a garnish on top of the experience, and I agree that this film, even with the score happening in the background, it's not detracting from what you're experiencing with these characters. So it actually does add on to it. So I was trying to find criticism with it when I was watching it, but I was like, oh no, this this still works. So I'm like, yeah. yay. <laughs> and, and something that I'm always reminded of when I watch this movie that mm. I forget is I think Steven Spielberg played it so, so smart in that in the opening scene, you are led to believe that Tom Hanks yes. is the old man. Yes, the, you yes. Think that that is, so you have no idea if they yeah. save... Ryan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is so smart. It's like, it's so, it's so genius because Mm -hmm. had they shown you that that is Ryan, then you know that he lives. Yeah, yeah. But because they show you through the perspective of Tom Tom Hanks, Hanks. who dies, you assume that that's who the old man is. That was huge. And I think it's just really smart. I think it's super smart. It's a tiny detail that I always am like, Mm-hmm. And then cool. it also creates this circumstance where when you rewatch the film, knowing what happens, and you go back to the introduction, seeing Ryan with the family and stuff, you yourself kind of have like a flashback moment of the film, and you're like, oh shit, this must be what he's experiencing, having these flashbacks of all the shit that's happened, and you're yeah. like, oh wow. So it kind of creates this circular effect of watching this film, right. and I think that's another cool element that is resulting from the experience of participating in watching yeah, this film. So it's funny cool. because Oliver yesterday when we were watching it again was like, um, you brought up how you don't know if it's 
if Tom H- if that's Tom Hanks or yeah. not. And when you said that, I was like, what do you mean you don't know if that's Tom Hanks or not? Because like, obviously I'd seen this movie before, right. so I like I was like, <laughs> oh, I know who this is. Like, this is Matt Damon's character. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess I didn't even really think about that. Like, as you, a first time movie, as a first time movie watcher mm-hmm. to this, you don't know. Yeah, and it. Yeah, it does make it kind of interesting. Yeah, I do appreciate that too. It adds sure. that extra X factor that's like, but like makes it step up. Like you yeah. said, the second time watching it, since you do know, it's kind of like a different experience. Mm-hmm. It is kind of like he's like flashing well, and, back to and, everything because he's sitting you, there at yeah. the um, graves. Yeah, and now you're watching it through the perspective of someone that wasn't physically there for some of the things that you're seeing, mm-hmm. but is being talked about actively all the time. Yeah. yeah. And something that they talk about you know, before we start to wrap it up, is how this guy better cure cancer. This guy better yeah. all these things. And I think that's a really powerful th- through line at the end where mm-hmm. he's basically like he doesn't... It's it's You're led to believe as a viewer that he doesn't necessarily have anything to show for all of these sacrifices that were made to save him except for like he's lived a good life. And, and he has his family. family. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, he turns to his wife. He's like, tell me I'm a good... Like, am I, am I oh, a good dude. man? Which Woo, is like, that's, that was such yeah, a moment. It's like, such Ooh. a moment, but then, like, not only is he turning to his wife as they're, like, what, 80 years old? Yeah. Um, His whole family with mm. his, like, obviously his kids and his grandkids yeah. are all standing there and wanted to be there with him. And he has yeah. like, this big family in the background. And yeah. it's just, like, uh, it's just so but it's like you, amazing. But you also understand it because you know, all of these people lost their lives to save him. Right. And yep. so he's got this incredible burden of being oh, like, sure. right. you know, what makes me more worth it than any of these people? But then, you know, what I just realized too is on top of that, there was the, the whole reason why they went to save him was that recognition of, you know, how many parents or families have lost literally their entire lines to war like this. Yeah. And right. this was an effect to try to reconcile that. And, Hey, he actually has continued his family, yeah. family line, t- as a result, and it's it's the crazy trade off that that circumstance has to introduce, and it's Bucky, but it's the sacrifice of war. Yep. And with that being said, uh, next major question that we have was was there actually hype behind this oh, film yeah. that you know of, yeah, like I mean, prior was... to we when were it like came out? Two years old. Oh, like when this film came no, out? we were three. No, we weren't. We were, yeah, we were three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about, like, what? You're like, huh? I knew so much more when I was three <laughs> than when I was two. Well, like, well, do you know if there was any hype of this film prior to coming out or no? Like, back I don't know about prior, but I know that, I mean, it, 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 it's an Oscar-nominated movie. Yeah. And I think that it, it, it clearly cemented itself as one of the great war movies almost immediately. Yeah. And Steven Spielberg has carried a level of of prestige for mm-hmm. most of his career. Mm-hmm. So although I don't know like any numbers, I am positive that when this movie was coming out, there was a ton of hype. Yeah. yeah. And if you're someone that, you know, looking back at, you know, movies to check out, like, well, the greatest of all time. And you hear about this film and you're like, is it really that good? Then in that context, yeah, I would agree. It's that good. I think that, I think that it, like I've, like I've said, ad nauseum like i think that it not only holds up but i think it it definitely deserves the praise because it it did kind of recontextualize this genre of movie Mm -hmm. and i also you know it it's just a technical marvel there's just just it's some even now i watch some of these things and i'm like there's no way that this isn't like a city that's in rubble yeah yeah actual city that's in rubble there's no way dust yeah there's no way that like 
people get blown up and people go flying and like there's it's just like the stuntmen in this it's cra- like one Woo! guy gets blown off the street and goes flying into a window oh yeah like, i saw that yeah like all these things that i see and they're real yeah and i'm like it, it's just crazy yeah it's just yeah. insane it's wild it is wild so i guess now it's like a good point for ratings i think we all should we all just say it at once, if we think we're gonna have the same rating, yeah, might as well. All right, yeah, I mean, five, four, three, two, one, five out of five. That's a five. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that was probably, probably, you're probably gonna guess that yeah. almost immediately. Yeah, you probably could have guessed that in our first episode of Cinema Hangover. Like, <laughs> Taylor quite literally <laughs> punched it like 30 times. It's been a lot, yeah, and that, that's not including and like five or 10 minutes that I had to get cut out. out. <laughs> that's awesome. so, it was so, like, a little side note to <laughs> our listeners um, if you've hopefully have watched 1917 already, there was some. Technical difficulties, and we had to cut Watch out. Nineteen seventeen, or listen to. Listen, listen to. to sorry, it, yeah. um, we had to cut out like five minutes of that, and we were just heartbroken. We're like, oh, it's our first episode that we're going to release. So we went to go figure out what that five minute conversation was about. It was about Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> no, and it was not a five minute conversation. It was a five minute tangent. Tangent, yeah, <laughs> about Saving Private Ryan, and not only that, Saving Private Ryan had been mentioned like. 20 other times before that <laughs> five-minute tangent. A five-minute tirade about Saving Private Ryan with 1917 just from Taylor. So right. this episode is long overdue. Well, when you watch this film and you actually get to experience it for the first time, you understand it is such a captivating film. Yeah, the first time Especially I watched Especially when you watch other, like, war films, too. Like Oh, yeah. This... We, me and Oliver watched this. I actually think this is the first war movie that me and Oliver watched you. together. Oh, wow. Um... And we went on a, we just started watching like every war movie ever. Oh, Shannon damn. Had like, we, yeah. First of all, Shannon had no idea what, what the fuck war even was, basically. Oh she was like, I just am really bad with World history. War II was that? What war was that? <laughs> oh, no. When was I didn't that? learn much in history, okay? Yeah, when was the Vietnam War? Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, okay, what war movies have you seen? That's usually like a pretty good yeah. one for people to know. Like, oh, I haven't seen Probably like, only seen like two before this. Right. So, uh, started with Saving So, Friday. yeah, we went on, a, <laughs> went on a little war kick. Um, that had to get cut cut short because I'm a vivid dream. I have vivid dreams and mm. I I was living the war in my dreams. Oh damn! Um, <laughs> You're giving me like many PTSD. <laughs> yeah, PTSD. <laughs> no, seriously. Post traumatic stress. It was not okay. Um, oh, shit. And there's oh. a lot of great war movies out there, but this one is just built it, different. It, it's built different. Here's a bit of a like last like you know. Button question: Would you consider this a perfect film or close to a perfect film? Like, as if if you have the concept of like you can't ever achieve perfection, is this close as you can get? I I would say I want to say yes, but again, it kind of goes back to like I don't I don't I did I don't know what that war was actually like, and mm. it sounds like it was pretty realistic, and it sounds mm. like they've probably had conversations with people that lived that war, right? Um. So I want to say yes, but again, I I don't really know. Mm. I no, will sure. never. I will never know. Perfect movie in terms of its accuracy, or just like a perfect movie. A perfect movie. But but I think that like a perfect I think film. it has to be pretty accurate 
to be a perfect movie in this mm. scenario. Right, right. With it being a, a war based movie. on like yeah. an actual events, yeah. So yeah, I guess that is that added layer that comes into play. Yeah, I I don't know. I think I mean, can you imagine being a veteran and watching this war movie and it having like being completely false, being not even close to what Ooh, yeah, what that would detract pretty like, heavily. Yeah. It, then it would take away from the movie. Mm. Okay, so then let me change Taylor's question. Yeah. Assuming that this is exactly historically accurate. Then yes. Mm. Okay. And that's why I say it. I yeah, want to yeah. say yes, but again, I I I can't say yes 100% because right. I don't know. Yeah. Um but if if it is in fact like the most realistic war movie and it's pretty accurate, then yes, for sure. It's a perfect movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me it's probably a perfect war film. A perfect war film. Okay, fair. Um I I I'm too I've got too much of a lizard brain to be able to be like <laughs> oh you know this is a perfect movie because there's so many movies out there right and like, that's that's fair i, I and i guess that is like, a bit of like a like a loaded question to a degree yeah, yeah like but there as far be as lots of perfect movies though true especially in various genres but as yeah. far as yeah exactly but as far as war movies go yeah i mean like if if someone is if someone you know anytime anyone's like oh you know what's what do you think is the best war movie i tend to be like saving private ryan yeah and I think most people agree with that. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of war movies that do a lot of different things and say a lot of different things and are over different times and mm. tell different stories and all that. But I think like the one that I tend to lean on that's the most that checks the most boxes is Saving Private Ryan. Now I just remembered one key question, and I, this will be the last one. No, you need to answer that question first, and then you can ask. Yes. <laughs> is this a perfect war movie? Yes. No, it, you asked, <laughs> you said perfect movie. Yes. Now is this a perfect movie? Good. Uh, ooh. It's up there. Okay. It is goddamn up there. Okay. Like it is top five. Shit. I want to say top ten just to give it like space, you, but top I five don't is think pretty you damn. Ever Oof. pick a perfect movie? Then I guess the way to define I mean, a perfect movie have... is the tightness of the techniques put into place to make to the best. Huh? You could have a perfect movie to you. Fair. Well, like okay, maybe the yeah. maybe the approach would be a perfect film where. The level of technical expertise, the amount of approaches that could have been taken but were chosen for the sake of the film and telling the story was so well executed that any other approach would have detracted from what it could have been. Like, this was, like, the best, best, best case scenario. And you think yes? Yeah. Okay. And my follow-up question. Yeah, yes. what's your follow-up question? So we have technically reviewed the one of the best movies of all time, Citizen Kane, and had our reactions to it. Yeah, I didn't and, like that movie. <laughs> and now we've seen this film, which I think is one of our best rated films we've reviewed so far. Do you think this film is better than Citizen Kane? Yep. <laughs> I, I, feel like, <laughs> man, I feel like you're full of loaded questions. I feel oh, fuck like yeah. A loaded question. <laughs> I, think that, I think that Saving Private Ryan did for war movies what Citizen Kane did for movies. Fair. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Uh, I think that I enjoy... Actually, I don't think that. I definitely enjoy Saving Private Ryan more than Citizen Kane. Yeah. Um, but that being said, Citizen Kane it, it has... You know, Saving Private Ryan has 50 years on Citizen Kane. That's true. It's like... It's not... 50 plus... Yeah, yeah, getting, 50 years, yeah. Shannon was ripping me apart for comparing it to Ant-Man and the Wasp, and the Wasp yeah. earlier, but they're closer together in time than 
Citizen Kane and Saving Private Ryan is. Like, so yeah. the only, comp- you know, and they're two different shots. Like, yeah, fair, that's fair. as fair a, a comparison as the Ant-Man and the Wasp. And again, the only reason I was comparing it is the budget. But <laughs> I, I, I think that I enjoy watching this movie more than I enjoy watching Citizen Kane. No but shit. I can, but I can <laughs> acknowledge, I can acknowledge what Citizen Kane did for movies in general. Agreed, yeah. You know? Agreed. So it's tough. That's a, yeah, a loaded question. What yep. about you? Yeah, I can, <laughs> I, <laughs> I can appreciate the influential elements that Citizen Kane had to offer and as I watched it's that film considered it's considered the first modern movie yeah and I can definitely see it with the way it does transitions the way it does storytelling the way it structures its story in the first place yeah, and all well, of it, it like modern anymore oh, so let's move on from that <laughs> <laughs> you're like so dumb with that movie <laughs> but it's like the quintessential old movie that God. Shannon can't stand <laughs> yeah. but no like I can understand why Citizen Kane is so significant for those who love film. I get it. But then when you see a film like Saving Private Ryan, oh boy, that's just, it's the bee's knees. It's, it's the good shit. It's, it's the good shit when it comes down to showcasing what filmmaking can do. Like, goddamn. Yeah. Wow, I do love this film. Fuck no. But yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, a fantastic to me, film. it's just like, it's an unfair comparison. But, that's fair. <laughs> but, I, for me, I can acknowledge what both films have done. Yeah. You know, it's like comparing the first, what, Model T yeah. or whatever to like, you know, the new... Like the new Tesla. Yeah, it's like, of course, of course, as time has gone on, things have gotten better. No one's going to pick the old, like, car that can run five miles and explodes or something. You know what I mean? Like, Fair enough. Of course we're going to pick where technology has taken us and the advancements that we've had in, in every field, acting, cameras, mm-hmm. visual effects... I mean, I don't know. I think I'd rather take an old Ford Bronco than a new Ford no one Bronco. Said, no one said that that was what the comparison was. <laughs> cool. You're so cool with your retro car. <laughs> nice. Oh, Lord. Old versus new. I'm pretty sure that's the kind of the comparison you were making. No? Yeah, I, I, that was, that was, I was more so saying this, you know, yeah, anyways. <laughs> Five-star movie. Five-star movie. Yep. Five and we movie. finished two bottles of this. Apparently, only two point five percent. Yeah, know, we, we found were, out this yeah, only two point. There's no there's no alcohol percentage on it, and so we're like, oh shit, are we about to get drunk? Right. And during a quick little break, we looked it up, and it's only two point five percent. That's yeah. probably why there's no ABV on it because it's yeah. like, eh, nobody's gonna get drunk off this. It is tasty as fuck though. Yeah. No, I don't even feel buzz. Damn. No. Yeah, Taylor, I just feel Taylor picked this up from the toy aisle. Yeah. Of- oh fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got a lot of recommendations for this, and it's still fucking tasty. Yeah, it's tasty, like juice. I swear to God. <laughs> you know what? Fine. Next time I get some drinks, gonna be some hardcore shit. No, 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 no. It's been good, and it was interesting trying something new. Yeah. yeah no, it's no, free For sure. Well. This has been Cinema Hangover. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Yeah, Always everybody. appreciate it. This was a long overdue episode. So yes. We appreciate it. All right. All right. It's time to sign off. Guys, have a good one. Peace. Peace. Cheers. Later. Hey, everyone. If you want more Cinema Hangover, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We also post episodes on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. If you have any movie suggestions or questions, drop a comment on any of our social medias. Also, if you have any drink recommendations, be sure to let us know. And again, thank you for listening.